Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Hi, I'm Lisa Lorenzen, Director of Transformation Strategy, and I'm here with my colleague, Pam Kubiatowski. Hi, everybody. Pam Kubiatowski, Director of Transformation Strategy, too. <laughs> and we're here to talk about the most interesting things we've heard this week. So, Lise, all right, so it's Thursday, and what have you heard so far this week? Well, I had a really interesting conversation today that has really rolled out of some conversations that we've been having over the last month, and the topic is solar winds. It's on oh. everybody's mind. I agree because I tell you what, Lisa, I was on a roundtable today, hosted a roundtable, and a customer actually asked about our view and what we found relative to solar winds. So what, what, what did you hear? I was talking with a customer who was kind enough to show me what it looked like from his side of the table. Really? Yeah. We've been having a lot of conversations about how you can use the Zscaler services to identify, contain, and mitigate an attack like this. Mm -hmm. But he showed me what it looked like to find one and walked me through a little of what it felt like as well. They had Microsoft Defender ATP. And mm -hmm. on December 13th, he got a notification that the indication of compromise had been found. The malicious DLL was present in his environment. He was able to shift over to their threat hunting tool and identify more details on where it was. They made the difficult decision to turn off their SolarWinds servers. Wow. That's a big step to me. And I said, did you get any pushback? And he said, no, because if you turn off the SolarWinds components, you can still manage your environment. You're just losing the visibility and some of the ease of management that you have. But the risk of having something like that spread and compromise other systems is a much bigger consideration versus the minor inconvenience. So, Lise, okay, what comes to mind is two questions. One, what happened that they noticed on December 13th, the first time? Is that what they believe to be the first time of infection or it came awake? And then did they find it on multiple devices or was it very targeted, do you know? Microsoft added the signatures for the compromised DLL on December 13th. Ah. And so this gentleman got an email because he gets the notification for high severity alerts. And so he got an automated email, new high severity alert detected, modified SolarWinds DLL associated with a digital supply chain attack. And that's why he swung into action. And the threat hunting tools were able to help him identify more information. So Microsoft did a really good job with this. They had an executive summary describing what the situation was. They had a recommendation summary. And the first recommendation was disconnect these systems if possible. And that's why they took that step. And then it even provided hashes that he could plug into the threat hunting tool and then take the action that was recommended there. Wow. So that's pretty good. He said it was really, they got very lucky in that there was no indication that it activated in their environment. It turned out to be an expensive tabletop exercise, but it helped them recognize some things like they had a playbook for responding to this, mm -hmm. but the playbook was not 100% up to date. And fortunately, they saw that they downloaded the update. They saw that the affected DLL was present 
but it never showed any indication of acting in their environment. So it gave them the opportunity to have a really good conversation about what levels of protection they would have needed if this had been a real attack. And this is how I ended up meeting this gentleman in the first place, because Zscaler was doing cybersecurity assessments for our customers to say, let's review the services that you purchase from us and whether you are getting the maximum benefit out of them to address this kind of attack. Because one thing I've heard, Bruce Schneier keynoted a security conference that I was at recently, and he was talking about big, splashy attacks like this. I think it might have been around the time of Stuxnet or NotPetya or something. And he said, these attacks that are highly sophisticated and extremely mature and have just the best levels of everything. It runs only in memory. The command and control system is set up well in advance, whatever. They are bluebirds, but they get a lot of copycats. And so you're not going to get this level of maturity and sophistication in every supply chain attack, but you're going to get a lot more of them. So we need to be on the lookout for copycats, for people who look at this and say, this is now low-hanging fruit. And so using this for the companies that were fortunate enough to be downloaded the code, but didn't have it execute in their environment, or the companies that looked at the headlines and said, this could have been us, it's an opportunity to assess their security tools that they already have and figure out, are we, for example, restricting outbound access from servers to only authorized destinations? Are we protecting our outbound server traffic? This is the way we protect our outbound user traffic. Are we quarantining suspicious sites like newly registered domains so that when the dumber copycats come along and they're just using throwaway command and control environments, we can block that automatically? Are we leveraging advanced threat protection to watch for command and control traffic, not only in web traffic, but in non-web traffic? And so these are the conversations we've been having with customers to help them give them our best practices and help them identify gaps that we can then possibly help them fill. You know, Lisa, I think it's interesting because we go for a period of time and then all of a sudden there's a big one and the world, you know, like want to cry. Right. And then we go for a while and, and now we have what we're, what people are calling solar winds, but, but it's not really, if I understand correctly, it's not really about solar winds. Is that a correct statement? That's an interesting point. I have to admit, I've been calling it the solar winds attack because that's everything I knew about it since well, everybody is, right? Yep. There was a great article in Ars Technica. Chris Krebs, formerly of CISA, he made the point that 30% of companies that were actively hacked as part of this attack were not running solar winds. They were compromised by other vectors. And so solar winds is the most visible and the majority vector. But if we're only focusing on a software supply chain attack and we're not looking at some of the other vectors like compromise of a software as a service tenant, then we can be misled into focusing on the big shiny thing in front of us and not seeing the thing next to it that isn't as big, isn't getting as much attention, but is just as much of a risk. Okay, so Lee, so, so hold on. So let me let me say it's slightly different because now I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, I'm a company and I'm not running solar winds. I'm not, I'm sitting back saying, whew, I dodged that bullet. But they may not have dodged that bullet. That's the concern. 
So how, how do, how does somebody like that, where do they even start looking? Where do they, because then, you know, cause let's face it. I think a lot of them are just thinking that they, they don't have a problem and they may have a problem, but because this also sleeps, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like this is an active attack at all times. It just hasn't been activated. Well, so the, the malicious code that was introduced into the SolarWinds update is what we're talking about now. It had a time bomb. It was memory only. It masqueraded its traffic as numeral SolarWinds Orion traffic. But the other activity that was coming in through other vectors wouldn't match any of that, wouldn't match those IOCs that were tailored to the SolarWinds component of the attack. So it really comes back to what everybody's been saying for years, least privileged access, restricting lateral movement, protecting your credentials, having the correct controls in place that a credential compromise doesn't lead to a full-on breach. Doing what you're supposed to do that sometimes we get lackadaisical in, right? Absolutely. And I mean, if you're I think I saw recently that the SolarWinds CEO said that they had found that the attacker had been in their email for several months. If your email is compromised, it's only a matter of time until someone finds something in your email that lets them compromise another system. Mm -hmm. So thinking about compartmentalization, thinking about zero trust principles and applying those principles, not just for users accessing internal apps, the standard consideration for zero trust is we want to protect our applications from our users. But the problem space for zero trust now extends to we want to protect our users from malicious applications and we want to protect our servers from each other. And when we were talking about SolarWinds, the, or not SolarWinds, I have to figure out what to call it now. But when we're talking about this attack space, one of the points was when our customers install Zscaler private access and deploy it, They generally do that to protect their internal private applications from unauthorized users. And one of the ways we do that is by connecting users to applications rather than connecting endpoints to the network. Mm -hmm. But in this case, the protection actually went in the other direction. By taking the endpoints out of the network space, we made the user endpoints be outside the lateral movement space for a compromised SolarWinds server. So it's also an opportunity to think about your security controls And think about what they do protect today, but also think about what they could protect in other contexts. That makes you sit back and my brain's like going a million miles an hour right now because thinking to myself, okay, well, if that's the case, what would be your suggestion? If somebody wasn't running SolarWinds, like you you mentioned, it was found in an email or they were searching around an email, where would somebody start to look or should they look? I think that people need to just keep doing the things we're already doing, being vigilant about unusual activity in the network, making sure that we are applying least privileged principles as much as possible, and frankly, watching the ongoing coverage because there seems to be new information unfolding on a weekly basis. I don't know that we know all the answers yet, but I think we need to keep watching to see how it evolves and to see what additional steps need to be taken. I think, Lisa, you know, the other thing is that some of these companies who may have, in fact, had an issue, they may not want the publicity. They may not want it out. 
right? I wonder how much of the information, to your point, keep watching, but how much of the information really isn't getting out there because people can't share that or, you know, based on company reputation or maybe where they found it, right? And the risks of that. Sure. If you're not required to disclose that you've been affected For example, let's say there's a hypothetical company that runs SolarWinds and downloaded the compromised update, but it never executed in their environment and no malicious activity was ever seen. Mm -hmm. You weren't hacked. There's nothing to say publicly there. Right. It's just there. And if you were able to mitigate it before it actually executed, wow, how lucky. So with that, Lise, this has been so interesting. I think um, you may, maybe we'll circle back again in a couple of weeks and see if there's more information that, you know, has come to light. Because I think this is a topic that so many are, it's still resident in so many people's minds that um, th- this was a great conversation. Anything else you want to add to this? Well, it's always fun to talk with you and I'm interested to hear what's on your mind in a couple of weeks. So let's definitely do this again. That sounds great. Everybody have a great afternoon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust with myself, Lisa Lorenzen, and my colleague, Pam Kubiatowski. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. Pam and I are directors of transformation strategy at Zscaler. You can find our profiles on LinkedIn or reach out to us and other CXO transformation leaders in the Zscaler CXO community LinkedIn group. Zscaler is a zero trust exchange inline cloud security provider for some of the largest companies on the Forbes Global 2000. Find out more about Zscaler at zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.